You're listening to Real Faith Radio, presented by Praise Chapel, Las Vegas. This is where real faith meets real change. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play Music to get instant notifications when new episodes are available to download or stream. You can also check out our website, praisechapellasvegas.com, to check out some more information about us and see what's going on this month on our events calendar. Lastly, follow us on social media at PC Las Vegas. With that being said, listen up, because here comes the word. Bring the word of God. Hallelujah. Woo! Whoa, whoa. Hallelujah. say I'm a little nervous. I haven't stood behind the pulpit in probably about, I don't know, three to four years. <laughs> so I'm nervous. It's been that long, Pastor. That's, yes, but <laughs> that was different. Yes. He must really love me if he left the, the, the nights to come and see me. All right, so like Pastor said, we've been talking about the voice and how we should use our voices as followers of Christ. Um, So Brother Vic spoke on recognizing God's voice. Brother Derek, um, if you see something, say something. Brother Fino, how the Lord is your voice. Sister Miranda, being the voice in someone's desert. And then Sister Daz, the voice of gladness. But what about when you lose your voice, when you allow the enemy to steal it, when you get so distracted that you forget what your voice sounds like. So the title of my message is, When You Lose Your Voice. You see, I allowed the enemy to distract me so much that I lost my voice. And in the process of me losing my voice, I lost myself. But I think think back now, and it's like, in me losing my voice um, and losing myself, I'm in the process of finding myself and who I am now, which is something that I'm assuming God is trying to turn something different in my life now. So I began to believe the lies of the enemy and myself, because we lie to ourselves. Um, You know, we feed ourselves lies as well as help the enemy with those lies. Um, You see, the enemy came after my children. I'm strong enough to fight on my own, and I can fight the the enemy off, but when he came after my children, that was a whole different story. As a mom, you're supposed to protect your children. So when I saw my kids being dragged away, I lost it. But you see where I should have fell on my knees, and I knew as a woman of God, I knew what I needed to do and cry out for them. I became distracted by their choices and what what was going on around me that I was so wrapped up that I allowed my voice to be taken. I wasn't, I was praying, but I wasn't in that prayer mode mom 
It was more of, you know, it was a distraction prayer, you know. So, obviously, I, be, I began to believe the lies, you know, you suck as a mom, <laughs> a wife, a friend, a sister, a daughter. Even I began to believe that I sucked as a believer in Christ. Like, what kind of person are you? Like, what, how do you allow to get yourself into that place? So during this time, I got all this stuff going on in my head and everything's going on. And of course, during that time, you begin to build resentment. And it starts rising up. And the resentment began to be my voice. <clears throat> the enemy, well, because when it's not God's voice in you, it has to be a different voice. And there, there's only two options. So it's either the enemy's voice or yourself or the enemy's, right? So I would go to work unhappy, um, and I would make it known. I would make it known that I'm not a very happy person. I was willing to share my bitterness to whoever was willing to hear me. I had nothing good to say, obviously, right? When you're bitter, you don't have any encouraging. You don't have anything good to say about any situation. And I'm sure it was noticeable here, right? You know, I'm not, I'm, not a, <laughs> I'm not a person that can hide my emotions very easily. It's all right here. My emotions. My emoji face. <laughs> so I continued to listen to the lies of the enemy. And I started to pull away even from the church. And I was coming, you know, like Pastor says, I was clocking in and clocking out. And during that time, obviously... I had resentment, bitterness, so then I began to feel, I'm not appreciated here, because, you know, I bring a lot to the table, just saying. So even that started pulling me away from the ministry. And um, the enemy's lies became really good, <laughs> really good. Um, so I had an opportunity to work at a women's home. You know, the, they have, you know, they've been rescued out of the sex trafficking industry. <clears throat> and these women were broken. They didn't know how to love themselves. Okay? Think about it. They didn't know how to love themselves. I'm in the position, I'm coming in to show them how to love themselves, but I'm in a jacked up position right there myself. Okay? So I thought, wow, what a perfect place, God. Why would you place me here? Me being the nice Christian woman, I'm going to show these women how to love and well, yeah, he put me in the right place, all right. <laughs> well, it wasn't easy because these women didn't know how to receive love. These women were mean. <laughs> they were hard. And I took a lot of nice, of not so nice things that they would say to me or do to me. But, of course, I had to show Christ you know, I couldn't say anything back. I kind of had to shut my mouth when they were throwing. And, you know, God would remind me, you know, of where they are, their brokenness, and where they're coming from. Um, but I chose not to disrespect them. You know, I knew God was showing me in the process their hurts and where that came from. And, 
And that's where God started showing me as far as my eyes started opening in a sense. Um, I started seeing just glimpses of myself in, that, in, in, in those women. Um, you wouldn't, I mean, I don't, obviously I don't have the same background, but just as women, the brokenness, and we all come from broken places, and God was showing me through these women my broken areas and how he was going to mend them. Um, so I did, I, I worked with them probably about six, six months with them, um, and I was literally spending a night at the house. So it was a little um, intense, I want to say. <laughs> um, but one day, you know what? I got tired of hearing the enemy. I was so tired of being tired, worn out, and I was just done. I was just done. Um, I think what really bothered me was that I noticed that God wasn't using me anymore like he was. Um, to speak into anybody's life, to share anything, um, I think that was a big eye-opener for me. That was, that was major. <laughs> the enemy had pretty much crushed, crushed me to the ground. He had crushed me, but I wasn't defeated. I remember coming to the altar, and I fell to my knees, and I told God that I couldn't do this anymore, and I needed him to do something, and I needed it fast. That day, God said, lay it at the altar. I'm like, that's what I'm doing. I'm right here. But he was, it was like laying at the altar, but in, in a sense, like, in my mind, I started literally picturing an altar. You know, like what you see in the Moses movies. And I started picturing that kind of altar, and I started laying everything on top of it. Everything that I was dealing with, my kids, just everything. It, it was a big old pile. <laughs> but... When I laid it all out, I kind of, um, you know, like the movie, um, Stella got her groove back. Is that where she, like, lights the, her, her husband's stuff on fire and walks away? That's kind of how I felt when I got up that day. Because it's like I had lit the altar, and I'm walking away, and, like, I could see behind me this altar of junk just being burnt up. And I'm strutting away, you know? And oh, yeah, Elizabeth began to get her groove back. <laughs> I started regaining my voice. I'm not saying the enemy isn't still coming after me. He comes at me to crush me. Just, um, just today, hello. He comes at me. He tries to still lie to me. But now my voice is louder. Um... In Joel 2, 12, 13, 
I was reading this verse, and this verse, this verse really um, struck my heart. So Joel 2, 12, 13. Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all of your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. I remember I held on to that scripture for a while. Um, but that was like a turning point for me. And then God began to remind me of the story of um, Hosea and Gomer, where he, you know, he asked Gomer, he asked Homer <laughs> to go marry pretty much a prostitute. And he does. And he starts a family with her. And, you know, she gets back into her ways, her promiscuous ways. And she ends up running away. And then God tells him again, go find her. And he does. And he brings her back home. And it kind of reminded me of when we walk away from Christ. You know, he goes and he pulls us with, you know, he, we marry with him. But then we decide we're going to go cheat on him with the world or just things of the, you know, things that are going on in our lives that maybe you're not backslidden, but you're still cheating on God because you're not completely trusting and believing in, in, in the promises that God has given you. Remember, and I'm like, oh, Lord, me. totally been cheating on you. So June of last year, I had surgery, and I didn't work for seven weeks. Um, and I took advantage of those seven weeks, and I reconnected with God. I would sit outside in my, in my porch, and I would have coffee with God. I would play my worship music. I would read my devotional, read the Bible. Those seven weeks were the best of my life. Um, and he began to speak to me. I began to hear his voice again. It wasn't confusing anymore whether it was the enemy's voice or it was God's voice. I knew it was God's voice. So after the seven weeks, I went back to work and had different stuff. I know that I was happier to work. Um, <laughs> and I began to hug on people. I would, like, we, you know, right before our shift starts, we all gather in the break room to get reported and everything. And I just kind of started hugging on everybody. And they're like, like, what, what's wrong with this chick? Like, and I started doing that. And I, you know, every day I would work, I, you know, I would hug them. Or if I seen them in the hallway and I knew they were having a bad day, I would just go hug them. One of them, one, one day one of them asked me, she goes, Alisa, why are you always, why are you always hugging on people? Alicia's my name at work, you guys. Alicia. And I told them, I, and I told her, I go, you think I'm really doing it for you, but in reality I'm doing it more for myself. So now, um, it's funny because I'll be walking down the hallway now, and when they see me, they come up to me, and they're like, and I'm all like, okay. And I give them, they, they come to me now for hugs, and they're, you know, and, or even when I'm having a bad day, they're like, hey, Alicia, I'm having a bad day. I'm like, bring it in, girl, bring it in. And, um, but, you know, the enemy is really quick to remind you 
of the mistakes that you made. So, I, you know, he started telling me, oh, like your hug is going to change anything that you brought into this atmosphere. Your, your judgmental remarks. Um, you know, he just started throwing like, oh, like you hugging on people is going to change anything that you messed up in the last few years in this place. But my voice is louder now. And I told him to shut up. Shut up! So I started to change at work. I would hear the nurses curse God, you know, in their simple... And um, every time I hear that, or I would hear them say that, I'm like, it's not his fault. And, and they, would, they got to a point where they started apologizing. They're like, sorry. I go, sorry to him. I'm like, it ain't me. Sorry to him. But I felt like they started, in a sense, started to respect me, that they would kind of start watching what they said about God in front of me. And now my coworkers are a little bit more receiving, in a sense, when I bring up God issues or God things. Um, They'll sit there and they'll hear me out. They might not agree with me, but they'll hear me out. Um, on October 1st, which was the following morning, um, I walked into the hospital. What I walked into looked like a scene out of a, out of a movie. Um, when I walked in, they were power washing the driveway of where the ambulance was coming. Um, at the entrance, you could see how they were dragging bodies in through the ER. There was people everywhere in that ER. There was, you know, I'm walking in. I'm think, I thought by that time, I'm like, half of it is done. I'm not going to, no. To see these people in dirty, because you can tell they had dragged themselves. But I got to say, God used that situation and that circumstance to shake me even more. To continue to probably, I don't know, I want to say like mold my heart, like kind of make it squishy. Um, thanks, daughter. Um, but that experience, it shook me. It truly shook me. And I didn't even get the worst of it. Yeah, it was just walking in. I mean, I think my manager ended up having to take pictures of their actual bodies and their items that they were wearing so that they can be um, found. So I didn't get, but I mean, and God must have knew, he knew. He knew what he was doing because he probably would have thought this chick is going to run out on right now. Um, but that situation It shook me to my core to see and to even think how many lives were taken and how many lives were affected, and they didn't know Jesus. So as I'm walking through the 
hospital and I'm seeing all this, I mean, I'm, I'm bawling. I'm bawling up here. But I'm crying through the hallways. But the, I mean, the only thing I knew to do was to pray. And I prayed all the way to the cafeteria to go get my coffee. And it was closed. Because ho- I think the hospital completely like, shut down in every area that wasn't the main areas of, you know, that were being used. Um, but that day, God, even that day, he used to shift back my heart a little bit. Um, like I said, I think he was, I, it kind of felt like God would have his hand on my heart and he was just like, you know. Um, I really think God uses experiences to mold us and to bring us back to him where he's at, where we need to be with him. And I'm, and I'm sharing this because I, I want you guys to see that what I had undone, God was beginning to restore in my life. And he was, you know, it wasn't like I messed up so bad that he can't use me anymore. Um, in Romans 5, Romans 5, 3-5. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know the suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. And hope does not disappear, disappoint us because God has poured out his love onto our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. So every situation and every circumstance that God uses in our lives, it's only to give us this, the perseverance, the character, and the hope that we need for our lives. And that's exactly what God um, was doing in me. Um, I've gotten to the point where I can thank God for every storm and every every trial that comes into my life. Because I know now that at the end of everything and every circumstance, there's growth in me. I might not like the storm that I'm in and I might not like the trial, but at the end of it, I will have grown. Because God doesn't give us anything that isn't going to allow us to grow or become better in what, or in, or what he wants us to become or what we should, what we should be striving to become. Um, in November, I went to the women's conference, like I do every year, obviously, expecting every time, but this time I asked God, I don't want to lose what I gain from it. You know, because we go to the conferences, we're all hyped up, we come back and we're good, and then it goes away. I going to do that, um, that conference, and I remember I felt sick when we got on, and I sat down while the girls went and did their stuff. But as I sat on the bench... While the others got on the ride, I sat there and I heard, I heard God tell me, call them. And I was about my husband. <laughs> so I called. I called because they're riding and I'm trying to, you know, not sit there looking silly by myself. Um, I had never missed my husband so much in that time. I heard his voice and I'm not kidding you. Like, my God, I hadn't seen him for two years, (laughs) 
And I remember, and I think after that, you know, usually when I go to conferences, I go and I don't text my husband. I don't, nothing, he doesn't bother, you know, it's just, I'm going over there. And it was different. Every day I was texting him, you know, just to check. And it's like our conversation wasn't anything mushy. It wasn't any, you know, he didn't say anything like, <gasps> nothing like that, nothing like that. But I felt, I felt this tremendous love fall in my heart for my husband. I mean, like, I love my husband, but this was, I don't know what God did, but it was like a tremendous love that just fell on, my hus- um, on me for my husband. And I was just like, oh, man, like, what is this? I'm going to go home now. No, but um, I think I came back from conference and God started working um, on my marriage like crazy. I mean, it was just, I reconnected with my husband and, um, I mean, by all means, don't, we don't have the perfect marriage, but it, it's better than what it was. It's better than what it is. And, and I, was, I was glad for that. And I remember having a conversation with Sister Miranda about feeling like I had lost all my friends, you know, because of my doing, and just feeling disconnected from the women here. And her and her wise words. <laughs> um, she told me, she, she goes, God is making your husband your best friend. Um, which to me, I would, hear, I would hear women say, they're like, my husband is my best friend. And I'm like, I didn't understand that concept. How is he your best friend? I, that was weird to me. How is your husband your best friend? I'm, um, but I understand now. I understand as far as friendship and how I can share things. We're, you know, we're at a different level now um, where I couldn't share things with him. Now I can. Okay? And... And I'm, I'm letting you know this. I'm, I'm just sharing these stories because I want you to see what God has been doing in my life because he wants me to regain my voice, the voice that I lost where I lost myself. You know, with your voice, you can bring death into a situation or you can bring life. I brought death into many situations, but God was gracious enough to, things, to turn things around for me. Um, don't think my life is all together because it's not. I just, want, I just choose to see life in, dis, in, in different eyes now, in a different perspective, where I have to constantly be telling the enemy, shut up. Not today, Satan. Not today. It was, it's an ugly place when you can hear God and all of a sudden you can't. Whether it was you are choosing not to hear him or because you've wandered off so much that he stopped talking because you chose not to hear him. And that's where I was. It was just an ugly place. Um, an ugly place where I felt like I had messed up, messed up so bad that not even God wanted to fix me. But I thank God he isn't like that. He forgives us. He restores our voice for his glory. 
God began to restore me by giving me opportunities to encourage people once again. Um, my coworker was diagnosed with breast cancer, and she shared it with me. She hadn't told too many people in the unit. Um, and she told me, she goes, I'm, I'm sharing with you because I know the faith that you have in God, and I need you to pray for me. So I prayed with her that day. Um, I took her into one of the empty rooms, and, and um, I prayed with her. I spoke to her probably two weeks ago. Um, she's not going to need her breast removed and will only need radiation and six weeks of chemo, which is phenomenal. You don't get that, you know, that outcome too often. Um, my other coworker, um, he was diagnosed with uh, testicular cancer. Um, she's been married for a year. Um, she asked me to pray for him, and I did. Um, it's been six months now. Um, he's done with treatment, and he's doing great, and he's in remission, which is awesome. Um, I had another coworker also. Her grandmother had passed away. And you know how everybody goes on Facebook, my condolences to the family and all this, and, um, you know, I was going to go on there also, you know. Um, but God said no. He goes, send her a message. Not in, you know, instead of the public send her a message. Um, and I did. And all I did was encourage her. Uh, the following week I saw her, she walked into the break room as I was sitting there and she came and she gave me a big hug. And she said, you have no idea what your words of encouragement did. And it allowed me to get through my grandma's funeral. Um, so you see how, how God when even when I messed up, even when I undid things that God was doing in my life, he began to use me again, which began to, in a sense, restore my voice again. Um, and then, let me tell you another story. <laughs> I got a bunch of stories. <laughs> um, a week ago, um, I was dropping off some belongings to a patient in the ICU unit because, um, you know, the little boy had gone to surgery, and he was going to go to the ICU afterwards. As I was walking back to my unit, I ran into my coworker that used to work on our unit but transferred to the ICU, and she said, Alicia, just the person that I need to talk to. And I'm like, hey, what's up? And uh, she pulls me into one of her patient's rooms, and I go, what's going on? And she starts crying. And she tells me that her son has um, been having suicidal thoughts, um, that he already had a plan in his mind how he was going to do it. He was going to wait till after Mother's Day because he didn't want to ruin her Mother's Day. Um, but he had already planned it out. He had Googled it on how to be able to kill yourself so that you, they can't save you. Um, Which is, it amazes me that, you know, people would even create these websites for um, these kids. But I think it's just that's the world we're living in. Um, and this, 
my co she has seven kids, and this is her second to the oldest. Um, I got to pray with her. Um, unfortunately, I mean, this situation rocked her home because now they're having, they had to change so many things within their home so that he can't pretty much take his own life. Um, but in a sense, she's been calling out to God. Um, which is, I guess, it's a step, right? Any, any situation like that, a, a mother, most of the time it draws you to God because God is the answer to everything. Um, but they're doing good right now. Um, you know, he started counseling and, and all this other stuff. I just think I've sat on the sidelines for far too long. I'm telling you, I think it's been literally three or four years that I haven't stood behind the pulpit aside from Mother's Day. Um, you know, and that's me. I wanted to believe the lies of the enemy and, and what, he, you know, what he was telling me. Uh, Romans 8, 28. As we know that all thing, things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And I know that's, what's God been, that's what God has been doing in my life. He's been doing all, all the bad. He's, been, he's turning it into good for my, in my life and ultimately to give him glory. And like I said, you know, I tell you these stories just to see, to show you that God can restore but I have an equal amount of stories on the other hand of the enemy still coming at me. Um, but I can honestly say that what he's throwing at me, I'm able to disarm it. And I'm not um, falling into his lies or what he's trying to do or what he's trying to say. I'm not allowing him to take me to that place again. Um, in Genesis 4-7, um, God was warning Cain, and it says, If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. And that's where I'm at. I'm having to master. Um, I'm going to call it sin in my life because when I'm not allowing God to do things and trying to do it my own way, I, I'm going to call that sin. Because he's always wanting to suck you back in, wanting to drag you back into the pit of despair. But we have to master it. So, you know the movie The Terminator? I'll be back. Um, so, The Terminator... Has any, everybody seen that movie? Everybody? Almost everybody? Okay. So, my daughter hasn't seen the movie, I'm sure. So, it's like we're living in the present age. The future sends Arnold Schwarzenegger to get rid of Sarah because she's the one that's going to bring forth this son that's going to save the world, right? Um, so, in the process of them trying to Terminator trying to kill Sarah, 
the guardian shows up, and then the guardian pretty much tells her, come with me if you want to live. So her guardian explains that in the future, she is a legend, and that her entire army, the, the entire army work equipped for the foresight and the strategies she recorded and are passed on to her son. That's the reason why they're trying to take her out. Because if she's out, she can't have the son that's going to pretty much save the world. In the future part of the heroic fight against the enemy, against all humanity. So in one of, you know, during the movie, Sarah gets all overwhelmed and she yells out, I didn't do anything. <laughs> that's not what she said, but it was a little bit more dramatic. To which her guardian says, but you will. You see, the enemy knows who you are before we even discover ourselves. So we need to realize two things Sarah learned that night. You are a target, and you might be a hero. And I say might be a hero because the choice is yours. The moment you accepted Christ into your life, a target was set on you. Satan had made its aim to distract you from who you really are and what the purpose of your life truly is. The enemy knows the potential of you being a hero with a voice and how damaging it is for him. The attacks on your life have much more to do with who you might be in the future than who you are, who you were in the past. Just like the Terminator, the enemy has your name. Because in the movie, he had a list of Sarah's, and he had killed two by the time he was trying to get the other one. So the enemy has your name on a list. Your name is the same as my name. We're Christians. Automatic target right there which means anointed one, you are loved, royal son or daughter of the most high God. The enemy's approach looks different with each of us, but he will do that within his power to hinder or bend your growth to his purpose and distract you from the heavenly destiny that you have. As women... We have a more specific target, and it's kind of like we get more points if he takes us out. <laughs> In Genesis 3.5, Genesis 3.5, it says, no, sorry, 3.15. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between you and your offspring, which he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. So that just tells you that as women, we have even a more target on ours because we bring life into this world. So if he can take us out, we can't bring more life into this world. Um, did you know that there are 50 million women that are 
and they are missing due to genocide, gendercide, and abortions. Women give life, we produce, and we give birth to God's plans. The role you choose in this battle is what is the question. Will you be an unarmed civilian, a victim, a prisoner of war, or a hero? As you are choosing your role, remember, there is no middle ground. It's just a matter of time before you have to join one side or the other. You can't stay in the middle. So it is better to predetermine your position with decisive intentiveness, like you decide what role you want to play, rather, rather than have it chosen by default for you because you slip. Remember, God chose you before he even created the earth. Ephesians 1, 11 through 14. In him we were chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed you were marked in him with the seal, the promise of the Holy Spirit, who has deposited guaranteeing an inheritance until the redemption of those who God's possession to the praise of his glory. We're chosen. And by us being chosen, we have a voice. You just get to choose what kind of voice you have. Like I said, your voice can bring life or it can bring death. Throw mid smash now. So I'm going to start closing up. If I can have the worship team come up, please. So maybe you're here today and you don't know God. Never know what happened from Sunday till today. 